Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Great to see everybody. Happy Sunday. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Samuel, and I would love the opportunity to do so. But hey, you picked an awesome, awesome week to be here. Happy summer in Michigan. Don't blink. Don't blink. Okay, but here we go. We are in Ephesians, and we've been looking at Ephesians for several weeks now. Really, and what I love about Ephesians very specifically is... You know, all the Bible was authored by God, but written by man, uh, over around 40-some authors, over a 1,500-year time span, but yet all of it fits together. It doesn't contradict itself. In, in the Bible, it was authored by God, but written by man. Now, Ephesians, very, in particular, was written, authored by God, but written by man. Paul wrote to a group in Ephesians who were Christians. And he's really explaining, he's making known what it means to be a Christian. So we've been just kind of going through this verse by verse. And just be like, okay, well, here we go. And, and, and just seeing what that means as we learn what it should mean for us to be a Christian. Instead of just getting our ideas from the world around us. Because that's, that's just what happens. Unless we program ourselves with what God says it's supposed to be, we're going to get it from just like everything around us, from the person that we saw, from the grandma, like that's what it means to be a Christian, and grandma prayed, and this is what we saw, or, or my dad, or my aunt and uncle, I've got that Christian thing over here, and this is, this is what it looks like, or this is what I saw on TV. No, we want to go to God's word, and we want to see what it says and what it means. So Ephesians 2, and we're going to start in verse 11, and those of you that's been reading ahead, you're probably like, finally, Finally, verse 11 and circumcision. I've been waiting for this one. Like, here we go. Like, when were we going to get there? Today's your day. If that's you, today is your day. Ephesians 2.11 says this. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at the time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Number one, that's just what happens. If you don't have hope, you have no hope if you do not have God. But what is he talking about circumcision for? And I said it's kind of a joke, but, but seriously, why? What is he talking about circumcision for? Um, maybe. Maybe you know exactly what this is, but maybe not. But understand this. There, are two, there were two groups of people at this, at this point in time. There were two groups of people. There were what would be referred to as Gentiles or non-Israelites, non-Jews, Gentiles. And then there were those that were of, of the promise. There's different ways that you're going to see it. But the way he's describing it here is those who were under the covenant of circumcision. Now, now here, here's, here's what that is. Circumcision was the sign that God gave Abraham for the covenant that God made with him. You know, God made a covenant with Noah in the Bible. And the sign of that covenant is the rainbow. It means something supposedly a little bit different today, but whatever, they can't steal it. God gave it to Noah. He had it first. And two-year-old rules apply. If you have it first, it's yours. So God made it first. It's his. So Noah got, 
as a sign of the covenant, the rainbow. Now, Abraham, as the sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham, God gave him circumcision. And I would just have to be, if I was Abraham, like, seriously? Like, Noah got a rainbow. Just, just saying, Noah got a rainbow. But anyways, so understand this. Genesis 17, 10, this is what it's talking about when it talks about circumcision. It says, this is my covenant, God is talking, with you and your descendants after you, which you will keep. And then he says this, every male among you must be circumcised. You are to circumcise the flesh of the foreskin, and this will be a sign of the covenant between me and you. So this is what it's talking about. When in Ephesians... It says the circumcision and the uncircumcision, this is what it means. It means those that are belonging to and under the covenant that God made with Abraham and those that were not. There were two groups. There were two groups. And he's like, look, you were on the outside. He's talking to the Ephesians. He says, you were on the outside of this group. You were, you were not getting in. And the circumcision, it was a big deal. Verse 12 of Genesis there, it says this, it says, generations after generation, that this was to continue, this was a sign. Every male must be circumcised when he is eight days old, including those born in your household and those that you would have purchased from a foreigner, even those who are not your offspring. Like you adopt, this is what you do. This is the sign of that covenant. Now, often we just kind of fly over this and you're like, okay, great, circumcised on the eighth day, that's wonderful. Um, and we, we, we honor God because God tells us to. But every now and then, it's really fun when science catches up with the Bible. And as I was, as I was looking at this, I came across some stuff and it's talking about circumcision in the eighth day. I know, this is what you woke up thinking, man, I hope he preaches on this this morning. <laughs> Again, lucky day, here we go. But this is what it says. This is so wild. I absolutely love this. And this is a journal of medical laboratory science. said this. says, the human body has two blood clotting elements. One is vitamin K, and it's not even formed in the body until the fifth day. So a baby that's born, one, two, three, and four, doesn't even have it. Sometimes doctors will say they want to give that shot. Okay. The second clotting factor, which is essential, is this prothrobium. I nailed that. <laughs> Woo! Practice it and I got it. I'm so happy. Okay. It, surprisingly enough, this is what it said, develops to 30% of the normal that you will have throughout your life by the third day of life. And after that, it continues to go up and it peaks at 110% of what you will have for the rest of your life on day eight. On day eight. And man, God, God just throws it out there. He doesn't explain it. He's like, look, this is the sign of the covenant. Do this to every newborn child on day eight. And then just keeps going. But now what we see is we're like, wait a second. On day eight? Yeah, there's a reason why. Now we understand. And I just cannot wait to get to heaven. I feel like we're going to just, have, I'm going to have so many now I understand moments. Why God's like, that's why I said don't do that. That's why I said stay away from that group. That's why, I, that's why you didn't get that job. That's why this didn't. That's why. That's why. That's why. And I'll be like, ooh, ooh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Over and over and over. But this was a sign of a covenant. And now, as we read in Ephesians, he's like, there's two groups. Those that are in the covenant 
and those that are not. And this was a big deal. And guys are like, well, that is a big deal. Like, yeah, okay, okay. But it, it was a big deal for many reasons. In fact, Moses in, in Exodus, God calls Moses, and maybe you're familiar with this, but God tells Moses, I want you to go and I want you the Israelites are in bondage in Egypt. I want you to lead them out of Egypt. I want you to lead them out. Now, the Israelites are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, and he had 12 sons. One of his sons, well, every single one of them is one of the tribes of uh, the 12 tribes of Israel. That's really where that entire nation came from. So they're all under this covenant. And would have been circumcised. So understand this. How important this was. Exodus 4 verse 19. Then the Lord said to Moses and Midian, go back to Egypt. God tells Moses, go back to Egypt. For all the men who sought to kill you are dead. So Moses goes back. He's like, okay, here we go. I'm going to go do what you said. I'm going to lead these people out of Israel. He's doing what God told him to do. That's Genesis 4, verse 19. But now we go to Genesis 4, verse 24. If you've ever read this, this is one of the most interesting verses in the Bible. Verse 24. Now at a lodging place along the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. <laughs> wait, a, wait a second. What's going on here? Okay. Is there a inter more interesting verse than that in the Bible? If so, it's the next one. But Zipporah took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskins, and touched it to Moses' feet, saying, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. With that, let's have an altar call. Okay. You're like, wait a minute. What is going on? What is happening? Well, I can tell you what's happening. It was a sign of the covenant. You, this, you and I... I don't think we, it's really hard for us to understand what it meant to be in covenant. And very specifically, the fact that if you were a Gentile, you could not get in. You couldn't do it. You could not do it. And this circumcision was a big deal. It was a big enough deal. That when God told Moses, hey, you're going to go lead these people, yet Moses had not circumcised his own son and led his family, God's like, you will not lead my, lead my people and tell them to do what you're not doing at home. And God was going to kill him until his wife stepped in and was like, we can't do this, and took care of it and did what, Mo what Moses should have done. That's how big of a deal this was. That's why God sought to kill him and then is like, okay, okay, your house is now in order. Now, politicians today, this is what they say. Don't worry about my family. Don't worry about my private life. Look, look at my results. Look what I can do. God's like, no, you don't lead publicly. You, don't, you won't lead my people if you're not leading at home. If you can't do it at home, don't export. It's not going somewhere else. But this circumcision was a big deal because it was a sign of the covenant. It was a sign of the covenant. So Jesus fulfilled this law. So at the next men's meeting, um, 
Uh, Y'all need to be, no, 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 no. Okay, so the sign of the covenant. We're right back at it. So what does that mean? Well, Jesus came and he changed a lot. And one of the things that he changed, 1 Corinthians 7, 19. 1 Corinthians, now if you know me, you know I'm a Bible guy. Okay, if the Bible says it, it's like, it's that, that, that's it. Like, that's it. I remember I was a little kid, and uh, I think it was, we were like junior high-ish age, and one of the other kids, I, I, I just, like, if the Bible says it, that's it. I'm a bit more of the black and white guy. I love black and white. Like, this is what's right, so this is just, this is just what we do. And um, I remember one, one of the kids in youth group was like, um, he goes, yeah, okay, Bible boy. Um, well, the Bible says not to shave your sideburns, so there. And I was like, what are sideburns? And he's like, the hair right here, you're not supposed to shave it. So then I run over and I'm like, really? So I was like, well, I gotta find that. And I couldn't find it right away. And I was like, I know what I'll do. I was like, dad. And he's like, what? I'm like, can I shave my sideburns? He's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, what does the Bible have to say about that? There are some laws and some things that we're going to unpack a bit more of this. That God said, look, this is what you're going to do. And that we, we're going to see what the function of that law was. That when Jesus came, that he broke down the barrier in between. And we find that very specifically when it comes to circumcision in 1 Corinthians 7.19. For it makes no difference whether a man has been circumcised. The important thing is that he keeps God's commandments. Some of you just took a breath. Romans 2, verse 29. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by written code. The code. He's like, look, all of these laws that you're going to try to keep, he's like, Mm-mm, you'll never be able to do it. Galatians 5, verse 16. For in Christ Jesus, there's neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. All that matters is faith expressed in love. The bottom line is external conformity is not God's desire. It's internal surrender expressed in our life. He's like, it's not an external thing. Before Jesus, it was. Before it was, and as we keep going in verse 13, it says, But now in Christ, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. There was a separation, a covenant that God made with Abraham, and there was one way in. That was it. That was it. And we see that the, God's plan for the nation of Israel and that entire people is that as a result of them following after God, that the world would see God's blessing on that entire nation and be jealous. But God's plan all along was, look, we're, you, you cannot be good enough. I'm going to send Jesus. I'm going to send Jesus, and there won't be an in-group and an out-group. He's like, I'm going to solve this problem. No more of these two groups. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made both one, and he has broken down in the middle the wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh, okay, this wall of separation, he's like these two groups, not anymore. Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of the commandments contained in ordinance, so as to create in himself one man from the two, 
He says, we're going to create one from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. We both have access. He took two and he's like, we're going to make this one. We're going to take care of this. This is what Jesus came to do. Let's, let's read just a few more verses. Verse 19. Now, therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the world, in, excuse me, in the Lord in whom you also are being fit together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Come on. Okay. We've got two groups. The importance of circumcision we see because it was the sign of this covenant. Now, we don't really have these same two groups right now. Now, there are Jews that live today. Yes, absolutely. Um, but what, what we have now is a lot of identi identity politics. Identity, but for some reason, like what you politically correct was, I feel like the definition has just changed. Like politically correct was, we kind of just understood that politicians really were just watched their language too much. And they're like, yeah, they're just trying to appeal to everybody and make sure they don't offend anybody because they want everybody's votes. And it's kind of like they're trying to be politically correct. Now it's just like everybody's got to not offend anybody and, and, and everybody just wants to identify as, as their little group and so there's this little group over here and I'm part of this group here and we're part of this group and LGBT, B, C, D, G, F, plus, plus, times seven, whatever. It just keeps growing because everybody's got this, this kind of group thing that comes together. And although we can look and we can see different groups and we say, well, that person's part of this over here and that person's um, maybe, maybe a little like this and that person's part of this ethnic group and that person has this skin color and that person's male and that person's female. And we look and we see that. Here's what God sees. God sees two. He sees the condemned and the forgiven. That's it. He's like, look, there is no separation. There's two. Second Corinthians says this about you and I when we get saved, okay? It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has, be, has become a new person. The old is gone and a new life has begun. There's two groups. That's it. There's the condemned and there's the forgiven. And here's the deal. Whatever you were before, he's like, look, you're new. You're not what you were. What has happened before, that's not what you are. There's two, but you are now forgiven. The world, the world's messed up. And it's, here's what it's easy to do. It is really easy to look and be like, they are really messed up. Because some of them are. But then what we do is we look and we're like, well, I'm not that messed up. Any, anybody ever think you're not as messed up as somebody else? <laughs> really? There's like four of you. The rest of you, you come up. We're going to do an altar call. You're going to repent because you're lying. You, I just, I, I think you are. Okay. Because you look out and you're like, that's crazy what's happening. Here's what we do is we look and we think, well, I'm glad I'm not that. I'm a little bit, I, I'm a lot better than that. But understand this. 
We can look and we can say, they're, they're this and they're that. I'm glad I'm not that. I'm, I'm better than that. And in a way, you might be. But look, it's kind of like if we were all to go to California, which that would be interesting. But if we were all to go to California, okay, we're headed to the shoreline. And, and we have to, because California, there's an earthquake, right, fault line, whatever. That thing, California's about to just drop off the face of the map. And so we decide what we need to do is swim for Hawaii. 21, over 2,100 miles away. And we're like, that's, that's what we need to do. We start swimming. Guess who's, guess what? It doesn't matter who can swim the farthest. We're all going to die. And you can argue about, I made it this far, and I didn't. it doesn't matter. You're not making it. Like, none of us are going to make it. The person that can't swim and is like doggy paddle drowning slowly, which, by the way, that's what Molly did growing up. Okay, just really quick, got to throw that in here. Molly, we called her Molly Kazi because she loved the water, but she would, like, no, we're on the dock one day, and, and we're in, we're, 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 it's cold. We get out of the boat, we're on the dock, and Molly just decides, how old was she? Three. She knows the age thing. I'm like, she was little, but she was three years old, and she just walks off the edge of the dock. And you look down, and I promise you, this is what she's doing. She's sinking to the bottom of the lake like this. She's just sinking. She's smiling. She would love it. We'd go to pools, same thing. She'd run off into the deep end, and you could watch her sink to the bottom with a smile on her face. And I'm like, we called her Malikazi, around water. Like, you just, you just got to watch that thing. But it didn't matter if you could swim or not. None of us are going to make it to the other side. Not a single one of us are going to make it to Hawaii without somebody coming and helping. Well, understand this. James 2.10 says it like this. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. Jesus came, he broke down the wall. He said, I'm the way. It's not a bunch of rules. He said, I am the way. Galatians 3.24 says it like this. The law was a guardian until Christ came. It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. That it's not works. That what we do doesn't make us right with God. And we talked so much about this last week. Because why? Because we're made new in Christ. We're made new. We die to our way of living no matter what it was. And where one person on our scale of messed up might be all the way up here. And another person might have, well, they made this one little mistake here. And God's like, look, if you broke any of those laws, every single one of them was too much. All of them meant you die. All of them meant you never saw Hawaii. You never made it to shore again. It doesn't matter how far you thought you were or how much farther than somebody else you were. It doesn't matter. So here's what that means. Wherever we are, it's one step back. The God's there. It's one step. That there's not two groups. That it's not, well, I did all of these things, and who think of the, the worst person that you can think of, and, and are they in heaven? If they're on their deathbed and in their last breath, they ask God for forgiveness, the answer is yes. Because the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. 
that the separation, that this idea of I have to perform and be good enough isn't there. It's gone. That Jesus completely and 100% got rid of it, got rid of every bit of it. All of it. It's not works. Verse 25 says this, and as we go back to Ephesians, and now that the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as our guardian. For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There's no longer Jew or Gentile or slave or free or male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. He's like, that, there's, there's where it is. That whole past thing, he's like, you're new. You are new in Christ Jesus. We die to the old way of living. And we're made completely new and different. Now the hard thing is, is it's new, but we look around and we're in the same place, surrounded by the same people, and they treat us the same way, and we want to be different. And we're like, wait, but I know I shouldn't do this anymore. Because the switch inside us gets flipped. Years ago, I did this in, um, <laughs> in, in youth. I, did, I was a youth pastor, so what I did is I got a, I got a button. And I, I, I put it up on the stage, and I got some wires that ran, that ran back um, behind the stage. And I had, had a student come up. I was like, get on up here. And the student came up, and I was like, hey, push this button. And they just go, they push the button. Well, and when they did, there was just a, there was a little like, like it was an animal distress call. Like you're supposed to use it to catch coyotes. Well, anyways, when, when they pushed this button, somebody in the back would watch and hit it. And you could hear just a little bit of a scream over here. And they just kind of looked at me because they could hear it. But the kids were keep being kind of loud. Not like you guys. Are. They always just talk and keep going. I was like, push it again. And push it again. And the noise comes again. It's like, it's like this animal in distress coyote call thing comes back in the corner. They're like, what is that? I'm like, nothing. Just push it again. And so they push it again. And this time we let the sound go a little bit longer. And like, no, really, what is it? And I go, well, every time you push that button, you give just a slight electric charge, like it's my dog collar button, to a little bunny in the back. <laughs> and all the students are like, what? And I'm like, push the button again. And in the... In, in, all but one of the services, one of, one of the services, the kid's like, really? And I'm like, no, 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 stop. But in every other time, every, you just never know when, when you get kids up on stage. Every other time, this is what happens. They're all like, wait, no, I don't want to push it anymore. It was, it was fine. I'd ask them to push it. And they pushed it absolutely no problem until they realized the consequence of pushing the button. And they don't want to push it anymore. When you and I, when we, when we come to Christ and he makes us new, it ruin, it'll ruin you to sin because you realize there's a consequence. The life you lived before, you're like, wait a second. I left bodies in my wake. I left hurt hearts in my wake. I wounded people. I don't want to live like that anymore because we're different. But no matter where you were and what you came from, I don't know what family member you have that you've been praying for. Just know this. 
No matter what lifestyle they've chosen and where they are, God loves them right where they are. And the degree of separation is just one. That it's not a matter of how good can I be. No, it's honor God with our lives once we come to him. We, we just honor him right where we are. But this was night and day different to them because they grew up in that legalistic world. Because it was. Because the law said you have to do this and you can't do this. But Jesus came and said, I fulfilled it. And he did away with it. He did away with it. And it's like, okay, this is what it's going to be from now on. There's not going to be the in-group and the out-group. This isn't just for one person or one nation or, or one group of whatever it may be. He's like, no, this is for everyone. And this was brand new. Everyone's like, what? Are you serious? And that's why he literally says there, those who were close and those who were far off. Those who were in and those who were out. Today, the difference between those who are in and those who are out, is a, it's our heart. It's just praying and saying, God, it's crying out to him. Say, I want in. And he's like, yes, you're in. You're in. What about all these rules and all that? He's like, no, I took care of it all. I took care of it all. That's what he did. It's all through faith. Verse 25. Now that we know the, the way of faith has come, we no longer need the law as a guardian. We are all children of God through faith in Christ. That is what it is. It's through faith in Christ Jesus. We choose. You want to know what the hope for this world is? Is it's Jesus. There's an election next year. Someone will get in. Someone will go out. Some people will trust it. Some people won't. But that's not where my faith is. That's not where my hope is. That's not where it is. It's in Jesus. He's the only way. There's no longer Jew or Gentile or slave or free or male or female, for you are one in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham and you are heirs and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. He's, what did he say to Abraham? He said that, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. You'll be blessed to be a blessing. That's the whole, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The work is done. Jesus did it. The two groups, the, the, do I have to perform? Nope, you don't. Jesus paid it all. And you've been made new. You've been made new, adopted into his family. Literally, he's like, this whole Abraham thing, he's like, you're a part, you're in. And he's like, now, let me change you on the inside. You've been made new. Maybe it's been a little bit difficult for you to be this, who you know God's made you on the inside to be. So it seems to be, popular right now is well, I'm going I'm to move, I'm going to relocate, I'll change my job, I'll change this, and that'll help me to make these changes. I won't do it. That won't do it. Well, if, if, if I was married to somebody else, well, that would make it easier. No, that'd make it different. 
if I lived over here, if I had this job, then I'd be able to. No. Let me just say, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And the idea of, if, if, if my surroundings changed, let me just say, you're made new and you have everything that you need through Christ. You're complete through your union with Christ. And unless God speaks to you specifically to go somewhere else, then you need to stay. And your step is this, is to serve him right where you are with what he's given you. That's what it is. It's right where you are with what he's given you. Well, I don't have this whole big, and you, know, you talked last week about, like, God has a plan and a purpose and things he's, he's destined for me, and I don't know what they are. Then right where you are, you serve him with what you have, where you are. Right where you are. God wants to be used me. Yes, he does. Right where you are. And right now, that means you're at church. God wants to use you at church. Yes, he does. You leave here, you're in the parking lot? Absolutely. wherever it is. He has a plan. He has a purpose for you. The in and the out, what is it? It's those who have said, Jesus, I need you. I surrender my life to you. There's no more of these laws. Nope, no, we serve him from our heart. So if you're here today and you say, today's the day I want to serve him with my heart. I want to give him all of me. I want to make him the Lord of my life. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you today. I want to do something a little bit different. I'd like every head up, every eye open, and everyone looking around, okay? Um, it's been on my heart to do it this way, but it's been one of those things like, I don't know. I just kind of been praying about it, and God's like, look, if they won't stand now, it's not going to be easier when they walk out of this door. It's not going to be. So we're going to change the way we're doing this just a little bit. It's one of those things, a little slow to change, just because I'm slow to change. But God just spoke to me. He's like, no, you need to do it. So I want your heads up. I want you looking around. But if you're here today and you say, today's the day that I'm changing the way that I live, I want to step across that line from condemned to forgiven because I realized that it doesn't matter how good I was it wasn't good enough I want him to forgive me I want to be set free I want to be his I want to experience his peace because I have a relationship with him I want my heavenly father to wrap his arms around me I want to feel his love this morning if that's you or maybe you're here and you say today's the day I come back because I said a prayer but I haven't been living it. That new life, that sounds great. But I don't have it. No, you do, but you need to start living it. And today's the day that you proclaim it. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. He said, if you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. So if, if this is you today, and you say, today's the day I'm going to give my heart my life to him, or maybe I'm not trying to make it easy but maybe today for you you say this is the day I come back today is the day I go all in what I want it to be is I want it to be your heart you say this is what I want and God I'm yours if that's you then on the count of three with every head, eye, every head up every eye open there we go if that's you at the count of three I want you to lift your hand and we're going to pray together get ready one, 
two, three. That's me, and today is my day. Is that you? Let's pray. God, we come before you. We thank you for your word as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. God, we honor you. We thank you for what you did. That the law that we could never live up to, that we always fell short of, that you abolished it. That you came, you fulfilled it, you paid that price so that we could be free. And from now on, God, we honor you for what you did. We thank you for what you did. God, our desire is to live for you with all that we have, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and all of our mind. God, if we've fallen short and missed your leading today, we say, God, forgive us and speak again. We're listening. We want to be your hands and be your feet in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.